Well, heading into a full slate of games in the Pac-12, Oregon State and Washington State off the field are inching closer to clarity for 2024 and beyond. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free. But until then, beloved and loaded conference of champions, like, comment, subscribe, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch the show rate review as well. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. I'll get to my Thursday range of outcomes later on the show as well for all six full slate of Pac-12 games. Haven't had that all the time this year, but the buys are starting to fizzle out and we just get a full slate of all 12 teams being in action that later. And will Colorado make a bowl game? Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll get information on that on Saturday. But we we're getting some information here on Oregon State and Washington State. So broadly speaking, it looks like the deadline or timeline, I think is the better way to phrase it, is December 4th. That is when after the regular season of college football concludes and the conference championship games are all done, the transfer portal window opens and players can then put their names in the portal, go to other schools, yada, yada, yada. We are all aware of how that works. It appears, according to this piece by Ross Dellinger over at Yahoo Sports, who has been doing yeoman's work throughout all of this craziness, that that is a timeline that Oregon State and Washington State are looking for when it comes to resolution on being able to tell their athletes in all of their sports, not just football, where they're going to be competing in 2024 it matters a great deal we're all aware of the importance of the transfer portal in the modern world of college football now there's another window that opens again in the spring the ncaa recently shrunk down the size of the transfer portal window in football they needed to shift the timelines the schedule's all messed up college football is a fantastic sport run by below average people but anyway the important things here are what I want to keep you all up to date on. So there isn't going to be a final decision on what Oregon State and Washington State will do, nor what will happen on this very show, by the way, until there is resolution and clarity with regards to the legal battle that Oregon State and Washington State are fighting right now with the Pac-12 and the 10 departing members of the Pac-12 conference. That is over control of the assets that the Pac-12 currently has and is entitled to going forward. Now, there's a court date set in the month of November. They're trying, according to Ross Dellinger, to potentially settle before then and try to understand what can be adjudicated fairly in both parties' views and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the same way every other legal settlement kind of works. So we're not going to have a decision on that, but the timeline there. It, it seems to be pretty clear that within, you know, I'm recording the show on October 25th, airing on the 26th, within the next five, six weeks, Oregon State and Washington, Washington State should know what their conference future is going to look like, at least in 2024, beyond anybody's guess. But one thing that is being actively discussed and has been mentioned on this show and many others before, I'm not pretending like I came up with the idea, 
is going forward as a two-team conference in 2024 as kind of like a stopgap holdover year. And then try to put together a schedule as best you can, get control of the assets, get some postseason money for a year, and then try to figure out what the best plan forward is from that point on. So Ross says in this piece, which you can read over at Yahoo Sports, quote, any scheduling alliance is likely to feature a compensation package and or a long-term commitment from Oregon State and Washington State to the Mountain West built around, built around the idea of eventual full membership. So that is something that is on the table. Oregon State and Washington State would play under the label of the Pac-12. I would just take some black tape and, you know, paint out the or cross out the one. It would be the Pac-2, something I'm actually thinking about. But that's, you know, again, a discussion for a later day. The Beavs and the Coos can operate, thanks to a two-year grace period under the NCAA bylaws, as a two-team conference. That can happen, which gets complicated, but it is possible. They'd have to cobble together a schedule. And what it looks like is they would try and basically operate as if they're members of the Mountain West without actually being members of the Mountain West for one season. Now, the reason that this all gets complicated is because the college football playoff format for 2024 and beyond, much to my chagrin, has expanded to 12 teams, which I can't stand, but that's the world that we are living in. Right now, that model is what's known as the six plus six model. The six highest ranked conference champions, which is a dumb idea on the surface, and then six at-large berths. That would be up in the air because the Pac-2 having the same access to the playoff for a conference champion as an 18-team Big Ten or a 16-team SEC or an 18-team Big 12 or a 14-team or what is it, 17-team ACC, I don't know, with all those conferences, doesn't quite seem right. Here's where this gets really fascinating and why there's still a lot to sort out here. The Pac-12 still has a voice on the committee of conferences and decision makers that are structuring the college football playoff. So Mike Oresco also plays a factor here, the commissioner of the American Conference. I'll get to him in just a moment. But a unanimous vote is required to alter the format of the college football playoff in 2024 and 2025. For 2026 and beyond, it does not have to be unanimous. I'm not sure what the majority actually is, but it seems as if they'd be able to make whatever changes they want, regardless of the pack for 2026 and beyond. But for two seasons, there looks like a technicality of a way for Oregon State and Washington State to have their conference champion get in. I seriously doubt that that'll happen. I I, I very, very much doubt it. Now, Mike Oresco is someone who is the commissioner of the American Conference and is also on the side, it appears, and logically so, of keeping the six plus six because the six highest ranked conference champions has a real opportunity to be a team from his conference. If you have six instead of five, because that's kind of the logical thinking is you go five highest ranked conference champions, the four power conferences, and then a G5, and then you have seven at-large berths. But Mike Oresco, commissioner of the American, would be saying, uh, no, I want as many G5 teams in there as possible so that I could get at least one team in there, maybe two, right? And that is acting in his conference's best interests. So there are two votes in there that certainly wouldn't want to remove the six plus six model. 
So that's where it gets kind of tricky. There, there, there's more to get to on, on, on this stuff. I'm trying to condense it down as much as I can, and then we'll uh, get to football later on the show as well. But there are still a lot of steps that have to be taken. The biggest thing is whether or not Oregon State and Washington State get full control of the PAC's assets and whether they get the money that uh, comes with that and all the resources that are available and whether they solely are you know, the lone proprietors of all the assets of the PAC-12, which, as a reminder, does not exist in practicality, does exist legally. It is still a legal entity, which is a very important distinction to make. And that's what Oregon State and Washington State want control of and are trying to operate in you know the world as as best they can right now. There are a couple more things uh, to get to on that front. There are more than a couple of things you can bet over at Prize Picks, which is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in all of North America. Pretty great. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports is Prize Picks. It's just you against the numbers. That's it. You don't have to battle thousands of other players, pros, and sharks. You just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. And then you watch the winnings roll in quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous, I mean, enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use that code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Great way to get your gambling fix on this Saturday with six games in the pack 12 slate. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. All this chaos and uncertainty around the Pac-12, there could be a lot of new positions or people could be looking for new jobs. But if you're going to try and find candidates, uh, LinkedIn Jobs is the way that you want to go. These days, every new potential liar can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business or maybe your conference. We don't know what's going to happen there. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, which is pretty neat. Small businesses Rate LinkedIn jobs number one, that's numero uno, in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, wrapping up here on the uh, Oregon State, Washington State stuff before we get to the football, which is going to be quite the weekend. So Oregon State and Washington State, regardless of what they do with regards to their conference membership in 2024, barring a jump over to the Mountain West, which is looking less and less likely based on the tone and tenor we're getting here from uh, our guy, Ross Dellinger. They're both expected to get what basically every Power 5 school is getting as a part of the new college football playoff payout structure, and that's $6 million per school. That is expected to remain. But according to Ross, the automatic qualifier is not guaranteed, and they could essentially be treated as independents, which makes the most sense. But I'll go back to that potential legal technicality I was talking about earlier in the show, which is in order to change the structure for 2024 and 2025, there has to be a unanimous vote. Now, remember the wording, though, of the automatic qualifiers for conferences. It is not actually inherently granted to the pack. It is the six highest ranked conference champions and then six at-large berths. That doesn't guarantee the pack would be in there. And if Oregon State and Washington State are going to move towards a scheduling alliance with the Mountain West and play, as Ross reports, up to eight games with Mountain West teams in 2024, the conference champion, either Oregon State or Washington State, 
might not be one of the highest ranked conference champions. That's a fascinating dynamic because remember, college football playoff rankings are the ones that matter, not the AP. And even so, there's a world in which you could have, I don't know, a really good Sunbelt team and a really good American conference team, say Tulane, for instance, or SMU, have them win the conference and be ranked higher than Oregon State or Washington State, and then have a conference champion from, I don't know, Conference USA or the Sun Belt get in. But then that gets kind of tricky because letting in two G5s like that can't be that appealing to Power 5 teams that are playing a much tougher schedule and are saying, well, wait a minute, we went 10-2 and two in the Big Ten, pick whichever team you want in there, take Penn State, for instance, why in the world is Coastal Carolina going to get in as you know a 10 and 3 Sun Belt champion just because they're ranked number 24? Well, that's a conversation that has to be had out. So the last thing to, to get to here, and, and by the way, if you have any questions or want me to explain anything further or dive into it, let me know in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter. That's the easier way to reach me, frankly, at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12. DMs and mentions are always uh, wide open over there. So if anything is not clear, let me know. But uh, the last thing here to know as all that sort of stuff, which which is, you know, kind of wait and see. I, I don't think there's a most likely outcome as to, you know, what happens. My guess would be Oregon State, Washington State, cobble together a schedule, plays the pack two get control of the assets, have some money to cushion the blow and maybe help rebuild the league one day. And then they somehow, they being the other conferences and commissioners and whatnot, finagle their way into not having a two-team conference get an automatic qualifier into the college football playoff. Like there, there would be some guardrail against that and maybe they'd be treated as an independent. You know, like Notre Dame has to get an at-large berth. The good news for Oregon State and Washington State, they're going to have access to the playoff. It's not like they're being removed from it. They're just potentially going to be removed from automatically qualifying by way of winning a two-team conference that is essentially you know, playing a Mountain West schedule. So uh, the last thing, though, is uh, the reverse merger is on the table. The reverse merger, according to Ross Dellinger, is on the table, which I think is great and could be really fun. I think a relegation model would be the most exciting television product that you could create. But if you go reverse merger and the Mountain West becomes a part of the Pac-12, could spell a future uh, for this very show. So that is everything that you need to know right now, summed up in about as short amount of time as I could, and took about 15 minutes. I was hoping for eight to nine. Never works out that way. All right, let's get to our range of outcomes. We're doing this every Thursday where I come talk about every single game happening in the Pac-12 and what one end of the spectrum looks like and what another end of the spectrum looks like. And you know the great thing about this week's slate of games? There is only one, only one, where I can't see one team losing. Five of the six could go either way in a certain universe. My predictions, of course, will come on tomorrow's show. Let's start with the game of the week, really in college football, and it's Oregon at Utah, number eight, at number 13. Oregon's best outcome here is they win the ground game. I think that's the most important factor for both teams, frankly. The defense plays as UCLA's and Oregon State's did. Remember, this is a Utah team that's put up 34 points in consecutive weeks. That's coming off of back-to-back performances in which the offense put up seven total points against UCLA at home and seven total points against Oregon State on the road. If Oregon plays defense like that, and I think their defense is closer to UCLA than it is to Cal or USC, 
Oregon can win this game by multiple possessions because if they get the offense going, they could really thwart the Utah defense where or thwart the Utah offense and wear the defense down by lieu of possessing the ball a lot. And Oregon, I think, can match Utah's physicality, though it's not an easy thing to do. I think the best outcome for Oregon, they win 31 to 13. Utah's best outcome, though. Can they win? Of course they can win. They're Utah. They can do, they can they can go by everybody's expectations at will. That's what they do. Got to be able to keep running the football if they're going to do that and force turnovers. Oregon has just one giveaway this season, a Bo Nix interception against Colorado that did not prove consequential. If they do those things, force a, force a turnover or two, run the football, keep Bo Nix on the sideline, Utah with that defense could hold Oregon way under their season average of points and win a slugfest 21-17. to 17. This game last year at Autzen Stadium, what, in Autzen Stadium, I should say, was a 20-17 to 17 ball game. We'll see. USC at Cal. USC's best outcome uh, is following the advice of Sandra Bullock in the blind side. Enough with the trick plays, Bert. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Everyone's calling for USC to run the ball. Let's see if they do. Let's see if they do. You can run on this Cal defense. It's happened this year. If they do that, force a couple turnovers. USC can win this game and cover what is currently an 11-point spread by a score of 38 to 24, maybe. But that's a lot of points. Again, the turnovers have to loom large to hold Cal to 24 points because that offense is not bad. Cal's best outcome is Jay Knott and Isaiah Afonso getting things going once again. Cal is at home, off a bye, 11-point dog against USC that comes limping into Berkeley, having lost two straight. If they pressure Caleb Williams and run the football, Cal wins this game 30 to 27. That can happen. That can happen. Stay tuned for the Pac-12 prime picks tomorrow. I got I, I got some interesting tidbits for you there. Okay, Washington at Stanford. This is the one game. This is the one game that cannot go either way. Washington cannot lose this football game. Now, a couple Husky fans are not happy with me. Why? Because I keep picking Washington to cover big point spreads, and then they keep playing games that are way closer than they would like. Now, that is purely coincidental because I, as always, come on here and tell you what I think is going to happen in every game and try to be right as often as I can and always strive to be interesting. Washington's best outcome here is the offense bounces back and the defense plays like it did last week. Remember, that was a dominant defensive outing from the Huskies. I know it was against Arizona State. Stanford is in the same class. If that happens, if the offense gets going, I kind of like the Huskies' defense. Feeling really good after last week's performance. Washington wins this game 52-10. to 10. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end, the best outcome for Stanford is they hang around and cover. It's a 26.5-point spread at the farm. UW would have to suffer, suffer, I think, what I'm calling the curse of the farm. You call it the haunted farm since we're close to Halloween. Do whatever you want. If Stanford allows the curse of the farm to fester amongst the Huskies, which I'll explain in a sec, they control the clock then Washington only wins by eh, 11 points. I don't think this is a one-possession game. I don't think there's any chance. I think Washington is going to put their foot down and say, nope, last week was a fluke. That was a one-off. We're winning this game by two scores. The curse of the farm is the lack of environment and ambiance there causes teams to come out flat. Oregon had it happen to them this year. Arizona had it happen to them this year. Oregon State had it happen to them last year. Those teams all won those games. But at different points in time and for different stretches of time, they weren't so sure and they looked a little flat. That can happen. It can. It, it's happened time and time again. Certainly could to Washington. 
I don't anticipate that. I think Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb uh, will have those guys ready to go. What about the other three games? What about the other three games? What about FanDuel? What about FanDuel? That's America's number one sports book where I'm going to peruse the lines tomorrow as I record the episode featuring the Pac-12 prime picks going for a bounce back after a dreadful one in four week uh, a week ago. But guess what? If you're a new customer, you can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or whether you ride the Pac-12 prime picks, which means lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app, really easy to use. They've got spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, kick off the NFL season, and get your college football gambling fix as well. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and our sportsbook here at the LockedOn Network, making them the sponsor of the Pac-12 Prime Picks, which do come back tomorrow. Looking for a bounce back, big time. All right, the other three games, Colorado at UCLA. Interesting one here. Interesting one. Common sense would tell you that a line at 17 or 17 and a half is too many for a team coming off a bye after UCLA played really well last week. True. Kind of. Colorado's best outcome here, going at number 25 UCLA, is Sean Lewis has his best game, I'll explain, the Bruins quarterback position goes back to struggling, whether that's Ethan Garbers, Dante Moore, Colin Schley, or a smorgasbord of all three of them. And the Buffs are capable of winning this game 34-31. Preseason, I had this pegged as an upset pick. I don't know that I feel that way. But Colorado coming off a bye, that certainly helps. Sean Lewis has to have his best game. His best game since TCU. He is the offensive coordinator for Colorado. If he has his best game, that is the only way Colorado has a hope. He has to be at the top of his game, play calling and scheme wise, because Colorado's offensive line is hilariously outmatched. This is probably the best front four in the Pac-12. And this is among the worst offensive lines in the country. So Sean Lewis has to know when to dial up screens, how to get the ball out of Shadur Sanders' hands, and how to negate that advantage. It's a tall task to try and move the football. But it can be done. I don't know that it will be done. UCLA's best outcome is pure and utter domination. And it looks the same way it did last week when they avoided the curse of the farm, were up 21-0 in the blink of an eye, and beat Stanford 42-7. The defensive line dominates quarterbacks protect the ball they distribute to their weapons which i think are really solid and ucla wins 45 17 that is ucla's best outcome washington state at asu interesting game here talk about one flying under the radar that doesn't have big stakes but it'll be a fun watch washington state's best outcome here is winning by two scores i don't think they can blow out arizona state i think asu's defense is too good but if cam ward keeps it going and their defense led by Brandon Stone or Ron Stone Jr. and Brandon Jackson. I always combine their names. I don't know why. They pressure Arizona State's quarterback, Trenton Borgay, who I believe is going to be starting this one. He does not do great under pressure. If Wazoo's defense looks like a Jake Dicker defense again and Cam Ward keeps it going, Washington State wins the game 27-13. Arizona State's best outcome does include winning this football game. It's one of the few ones that ASU could go out there and win. They should not should have, but could have very easily won last week at Washington. I did always feel that Washington was going to eventually make a play to win the game. They did. I think ASU's depth is pretty tough. 
Kenny Dillingham has been honest about that along the offensive line. But if the defense continues to play really good football and Cameron Scadaboo goes crazy, I think ASU can win this football game as their only Pac-12 win of the season, their first in the Kenny Dillingham era, 24-21. Feels like they might be close. Feels like they might be close. We'll see if they get it done. Against a Washington State team that's dropped three in a row, don't sleep on the Cougs. Don't sleep on the Cougs. I still believe in Washington State's ability to go 4-0 in their next four games. Not, not going to be a cakewalk, but it is doable. Oregon State at Arizona. This is such a great game. This is going to be an awesome. It's late. It's a late night game too. So you know it's going to be crazy. Arizona Stadium is going to be rocking. Oregon State's best outcome here is winning 34-24. What would they need to do that? Oregon State's got to be able to run the football. Arizona's run defense, much improved from last year. In fact, improved by about 130 yards per game. They have gotten significantly better stopping the run. But this is the best rushing team they've played so far, and that's Oregon State. One of the best in the Pac-12. If the defense is able to make adjustments compared to what they've done on the road previously, Oregon State's defense on the road, by the way, there's no other way to put this. Against Power 5 teams, they've been bad. Not just okay, not below average. No, they've been bad. Relying 39.5 points per game on the road. Alex Grinch might not think that's too bad, but I do. And if they play better than that, if they play what they're capable of, the way they play just 80% of what they usually do at Reeser Stadium this season, Oregon State goes down and wins by two possessions. I don't think it's by more than 10, though. 34-24, best outcome for the Beavs. Arizona's best outcome. Maybe the one I'm predicting tomorrow. You'll just have to tune in to find out. You ride the home crowd early and often. We've seen DJ Uyunglele at times in his career, including with Oregon State at Wazoo, appear to be a little bit rattled by the crowd. Look at that script that Washington State followed to beat Oregon State earlier this season. They got out to the hot start. They were up on the bees who want to control the clock, run the football, and not force DJ to throw the ball too many times, though he's capable, of course. But if whichever quarterback is playing, I think it should be Noah Fafita no matter what. Protects the ball, and you ride the home crowd, get off to that strong start, get them involved, and keep them involved. Arizona can win this game by double digits, 31-20. to 20. So that's a range of outcomes for the Pac-12 slate this week. We wrap up with a bull question or a uh, mailbag question. YouTube comments or Twitter always available at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12 DMs and mentions are wide open. Question came in about Colorado. Can the buffs get bowl eligible this year? It looked like a certainty after they went three and zero in their non-conference slate, beat TCU, beat Nebraska, which are not great, but you know, not disastrous, decently respectable power five teams escaped the Colorado State game, should have lost, won the game, 3-0, and everything's going great. 1-3 in their last four games, coming off a bye. I think we're going to know the answer to this question for sure after they play UCLA on Saturday. If they come in off a bye and go on the road, which is not a super hostile environment against a good UCLA team, and they are uncompetitive, there's a world in which they don't make a bowl game altogether. Because they have to win two more games. And their schedule, not a cakewalk, quite the opposite. At UCLA this week, Oregon State at home. That's back-to-back ranked opponents. Arizona is their final home game of the year two weeks from now. Yeah, Arizona's a really good team. Maybe not a great team, but a good team. Then they go at Washington State. Tough place to win. And at Utah. 
Is there a world in which they upset UCLA and win one of their two home games? Could. Yeah, they could. I've seen them at their peak this year. At at, at their peak, they beat Power 5 football teams that are solid but not great. Arizona might just be solid but not great. Could win that game. Oregon State, maybe they'll have an emotional letdown if they win a tight one against Arizona. Maybe they'll be in you know a defeated mindset if they lose to Arizona this week and they're playing their second straight game on the road. That can be a lot. I don't know. Maybe Washington State stumbles again at home the way they did against Arizona. Maybe Utah. I don't know. No, they're not going to lose to Utah. Or they're not going to beat Utah. So they'd have to beat two of Oregon State, Arizona, and Wazoo. They've got two of those games at home. I, I think the bowl eligibility is going to come down to beating UCLA this week. I really do. I don't think it's a game that's impossible for them to win. It's really challenging given the matchup. But they are capable. I'm not saying I'm picking it. I'm just saying they're capable of beating Oregon State or Arizona, not and Arizona, or Arizona. But at Wazoo, tough environment. At Utah, brutally tough environment and a really good team. At UCLA, I think it's going to define it this week. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.